We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. When was the first time... When you were like, oh, I could do this professionally. I remember the moment I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. And so when I got down there, I used my first paycheck from the school bookstore to buy a guitar because James Taylor and Bill Withers, I wanted to play guitar. I was only in school for two years. So it must have been about eight months or something later, I started writing my first songs. And I had three songs and I would sing them to people and they would be like, what? Like, that is, what? That's good. Like, but to me, a lot of people didn't understand music anyway. So the fact that they thought it was good, I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, that's cool. And then I went to a coffee shop. I was going to play one song and I played it. And when I opened my eyes, everybody had moved up really close to the microphone and they were like clapping really loud. And I was like, what? You know, and then they asked me to play another one. So I played the second one and they were like looking at each other. It was like kind of like that, like, that is like, yeah, like that. And I was like, I only have one more song. I've only ever written three. <laughs> so I played the third one and they clapped again and everybody wanted to talk to me after and the whole thing. And there was a guy there. I don't know how legit he was. I don't remember his name or anything, but he was saying he worked with Electra. And he wanted to see if I was interested in recording some demos. And I was like, sure. But from that moment, I, was, I remember thinking, this could like be a thing. Like, I could really do this. India Ari is an amazing, legendary, modern singer who I have loved and adored and respected for a long time. But apparently she didn't know that. So we're going to get into that. And her singing and her career, and everything else in a fairly epic interview between us. I love talking to her. I can't wait for you to hear this. For half of the show, stay right here for the whole amazing interview. Go to patreon.com slash show and subscribe, and you'll get this, the full episodes of our Wednesday interviews and our Friday Patreon exclusives. Let's go. It's India Ari on Torre Show. What do you love about singing? That's a good question. So I have to say, to answer this, I have to say something that I wish I, I always wished I could do, which is dance. 
because when I see people dance, I always think that must feel awesome to be able to like, feel like you're flying like that or, you know, whatever it feels like when you can really dance, like that when people can really dance, like they look light on their feet, they look like they're flying or something. And for me, singing is kind of like that. Like you love the sound of a trumpet or the sound of a certain instrument or even the sound of a certain bird or the wind or the ocean, like you like those sounds. It's really a special feeling in your body to be able to make a sound from your body that you think is beautiful. And I don't, I never think of it like, um, dang, I can sing. Oh, I'll be singing. I don't think of it like that. I just think that feels good and it feels right ever since I was very young. And I had very strong likes and dislikes with people's voices and the way that they sang. Because sometimes people don't have, are not like, Patti LaBelle all up and down the scale to be great singers are just something that you just feel from people. And I've had that sense about people since I was very young. Like for example, Sade, she sings kind of right here, but she makes you feel a lot. And I just, I know that there's something about that person when they have that capacity. And so I just like being able to make a beautiful, me a sound that is authentic for my body. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. I think I did okay. <laughs> Part of what you talked about there, which is so important, is there are singers who are technical and can do all these things, but people who can communicate a feeling, which I think is part of what you said you prefer and you feel you're able to do, that cuts to the core. And to me, my number I like one- both. I like everything. Uh, I like up and down the scale too, but- <laughs> But my number one singer of all time is Nina Simone, who is not Billie Holiday and Sarah Vaughn and able oh. to do all these tricks, but she right. slices right into my heart and my soul. And sometimes it's like, this is too much feeling. I, I'm not able to deal with this feeling at this time. Um, just the depth of the feel, you know, and, and, and when you can make me feel that is so powerful. And when, so when singers do that, which is part of what you're able to do that, like, argh, like that gets at you. Donnie Hathaway makes me feel like that where I'm like, I can't do all this right now. Like if it's not at night and we're driving and it's dark and song for you comes on the radio or something. I'm like, I, 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 I can't. I'm not, I'm going to cry. I won't be able to see. Like, I can't. <laughs> Just the sound of his voice and all the emotion. But he also is technically insane. There's something about him. But Stevie is my, my favorite artist of any medium of all time. But Donny Hathaway makes me feel more than I can handle sometimes. So Stevie will make you laugh, make you cry, make you feel. He's like everything. Yeah. I heard Barry Gordy give a speech to Stevie one time and he said, there are some artists that come every decade, some that come every 50 years, some that come every hundred years. And there's some artists that come once they come one time. And I was like, that's a good way to put that. So you guys have made three songs together with Stevie Wonder. Oh shoot. Let's see. I think I made I think I made I think I made two. So okay, um, being in yeah, the studio. But there's some other things that we have that we talk about. We in, never put out. Were you in the studio, or was it one of those where he he made his piece and sent it to you? Um, well, the first thing we did was a Christmas song. It was for the Target commercial. Then we put it out, 
in uh, I always forget this. I literally just remembered this two days ago. We won an image award for it. So I won an image award with Stevie Wonder, which is insane to me, which I always forget because my mom has it, the statue thing. Um, and then, so we did that um, in a truck outside of the Target commercial shoot. <laughs> and then uh, we did, the other one we did was the title track for his last album, A Time to Love. So he gave me the melody and asked me to write the lyrics. So he let me write it. And then I sang the demo and he said, you sound great on here, so we should do it. So I did some of it alone in the studio and I did some with him. I tried to do that one with him. Like he wanted to invite me to the studio, but I couldn't focus when he was there. <laughs> uh, what is it like for you recording with Stevie? Hard to focus. <laughs> I was like, what am I? Uh, it's hard to focus. I like, of course, I love working with him, but I prefer when I do my vocals alone. <laughs> it's better to, it's better for my performance when he's not there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun singing with him on stage, though. What's the, why? Because he's just fun. Like, you know how people talk about actors being generous actors? I don't know what that means at all. I don't act. But whenever I hear people say that, I think Stevie's like that. Like he'll toss you things and sing under you and he'll sing over you and make you try to sing over him and give you space to like really try and stretch and be great. Who are some other folks you love? You talked about Donny Hathaway. You mentioned Stevie. Who else have you listened to and really learned from to form who you are? Um. James Taylor. For me, it was like Donnie, Stevie, James. That was like my thing growing up. Um, Joni Mitchell became a thing when I got into my late teens. I didn't know her name, didn't know anything about who she was, anything. And then I heard her in my late teens and I was like, what? Like, I just couldn't even, her, the whole journey of Joni Mitchell. Um, and then, so Donnie, Stevie, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Willie Nelson are like mm. the things that are always like my, uh, like I just feel so much in there that I want to be. Wait, There's a lot what, of other things I like, of course. What about James? What about James Taylor? Is you? Is in you? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Um, well, I don't know if it's in me. I can't claim it. I just feel like when I hear him, I hear a person who is able to with like laser precision convey emotion. Mm. Just the, the timbre of his voice is an emotion. And then he's so proficient as a guitar player with a distinct sound and style. I have never been able to achieve that, but I love that about him. And I just love, I don't know, the songs and the feeling. I think, can I, can I be really honest with you right now? Yes, please. <laughs> hey, you can be honest with me too. I don't okay. want to make you uncomfortable. Okay. I was like, Toure called me? Why? Because, I'm going to tell you why. Because I, I think you don't know my music that well, and I, don't, I think you don't like it. <gasps> I'm going to tell you why that too. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. I'm going to, of course, hear me out. Because I feel like, and this is going to lead to an answer to your question. I feel like, um, when I think of like the cultural critics and like the music critics and people who do what you do, who are like 
intellectuals and artists who like really look at things and unpack them and that kind of thing. I felt like when I first came around, like that first 10 years, that a lot of people who were in your world would just ignore me. And I feel like it was, a lot of it was because uh, that there was not enough hip hop element in it. Just cause you know, hip hop is the culture of young black America. And so there wasn't enough of that. So if you're critiquing things and you're looking at it through what I think your lens is, you know, like the hip hop element is not necessary for you, but it's the conversation on top that we're having about arts in black America, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then I also feel like um, a lot of my music is the exact polar opposite of hip hop energy in that it's like radically delicate and gentle and like very, very feminine and very um, uh, delicate and gentle. And so I said all that to say, uh, I said all that because I wanted to ask you, but I also said it to say about James Taylor, like for me, that's what I get from him. Like that very delicate, just what I feel like some people consider saccharine. I didn't know this about him because I was very young when James Taylor, I was, James Taylor was out before I was born, of course, but I never understood what role he played in the popular culture. I didn't know he was married to Carly Simon or any of that. So I was older. And so for me, like when I got older, I started to understand like what the criticism about his music was. And it was that it was too saccharine or too idealistic and stuff. I didn't know that, that people thought that. But I know like when it comes down to critics, like critics generally don't like things that are saccharine and gentle and stuff like that. And so like now I feel like I'm just being ridiculous. This is your show. You can take this out, of course. Like even when I think about like Nelson George or... Uh, um, Quest Love, who Quest Love has become, like, come, you know, in that world with you all. Like, I feel like people like that are, like, not even, like, a knowledgeable, not, not, not even um, intentional. Like, no, we don't, we don't think about her. I feel like I just don't make the conversation. And so, so, I said that to talk about the gentleness of my music, and that's what I love about Willie Nelson as well. But also, I wanted to ask you, if, if, as a critic, my music was a thing that you ever really cared to even discuss. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. 
each of NPR's Black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Make It Plain covers politics and social justice. From organizers to legislators, it's the conversation you need to get woke. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're announcing. You can tell me the truth. And there's nothing you can say that will. No, no. Your analysis. My mom, you know. Your your analysis is accurate in that hip hop is when I was doing a lot of writing. Hip hop was the dominant conversation, and for somebody who cannot talk about music in a musicological way, um, hip hop (laughs) is a lot of uh, there's a lot of political aspects to it. So. It's easier for me to take a hip hop album and break it down and talk about political stuff within it, right? Like, what what can we say after we get through telling you what it is? Well, I can go to the politics of coming out of Oakland and talking about the president and talking about, you know, your low rider and what that means in the culture and you're using P-Funk and what that means. Now, to take an album like yours would be a harder challenge for someone who does not have a straight musical background, right? And grew up loving hip-hop, hip-hop being my prime base. I remember the first time I heard the message and being like, oh my God, what is that? Like the first time we heard Rapper's Delight and being like, oh my God, what is that? And yeah, I loved R&B, but it went soul music, but it was like, this is great. But I saw the rise of hip-hop and it was like, this is amazing, and I, this is who who I am. So, your success begins as I'm ending my career as a writer. I think if I had been longer, I would have had opportunity, especially with your first album, which was huge. I would have been like, okay, go talk to Indie Re because she's the biggest star right now. 
but I was moving into television when you were blowing up, right? I remember the core club was talking to me about being their like creative director in terms of like, you're going to get artists to come in here and do events so we can get people and members or whatever. And I was like, yes, great. And the first thing I'll do is get Indy RE to come in here. And uh, I think uh, they, um, your song about, I love my hair. I'm not my hair was huge then. So I was like, she's going to be, so I was definitely like, she's huge on my radar. I understand she's an incredibly important artist. Um, but never to say I didn't like your music, but like you were saying, like hip hop being the dominant cultural conversation is like, you gravitate toward that. And like, what's the hot new important hip hop album. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. But never to say in, I think your name with the sort of people you're talking about um, in terms of the critics, your name was always platinum. You know, your name was always like, you know, this is an important artist. You know, this is an important person. Um, more than any song, right? Like you've always been bigger than like a song. Like certain people, you know, like you have hits. Like we, you know, if you got a hit, we're with you. If you don't, we're, we're, you know, you're like one of those people is like, she is a talent. She is a, she is a vessel for culture. She's an important person above whatever specific song she's got. So that respect on the name was always there. Um, I think we just sort of passed in terms of by your album was 2001, your first album. And I was moving into television at that point, not doing Rolling Stone, Village Voice all the time. So that's why we didn't fully connect before that, but never Never. I mean, like, the respect for the name has always been there, uh, without a doubt. Thank I'm surprised you. that you're Thank not, I mean, do you not think that this community of people, the vibe, you know, the the, the vibe, Rolling Stone sort of people, they didn't think, uh, you didn't get a vibe from us that, like, we think of Indiari up here? You just said so many things and now I'm like, because I hadn't considered what it's like to be a, a person who writes about music, who doesn't make music or who doesn't understand music on that technical level. But I know there's a lot of that. I just hadn't considered it. So somebody like that wouldn't say the tone of her voice. She sounds just like her father or, you know, people wouldn't say that unless it was like, oh, Layla Hathaway, then, you know, was a big conversation or something. But I still think that's a singer's conversation or a musician's conversation. So I'm processing that, which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I mean, I think, I feel like the vibes and the Rolling Stones and stuff were like there when I had hit and not there when I didn't have hit. Even like when I think about Essence Magazine or something like that, to me, like that's a space where I think my name should have some respect on it. <laughs> like at Essence Magazine or something. And they pay me zero attention. Really? I remember one time I did a three-day long interview with the writer, and they made my article this big. It was literally like inches long with one picture. Boop, boop. I was like, I think, okay. I mean, just in terms of my <laughs> okay. own journey, because like I said, you were, you were starting to blow up 20 years ago, right? It's been 20 years that you've been crazy on yeah. Front Street. And yeah. I was 30, not yet married i was dating my wife but not yet married so i think my own <laughs> understanding of 
femininity was different. And like now I have a much greater understanding of that. So, so I would, I would respond to that more in terms of art now, then I would have been like, she's great, but I fully understand (laughs) this thing over here better because this is for the boys. Um, but I mean, I could, you know, I mean, I think about Daniel Smith and Joan Morgan and Karen Good and, you know, a lot of other people who I love, um, who, Ann Powers, who would be like, you know, oh, NDRE, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I uh, recently read Joan Morgan's, um, She Begat This, her Lauryn Hill book. And they mentioned my name once. And I was like, okay, at least I'm in there once. <laughs> I was like, come on, is this whole book going to go by? They don't even say, yeah, Indiari was on the radio. Like one lady said, Indiari gave us that too. And I was like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, I, could, I, I, I would have never guessed that you would feel like this because I would feel like you would definitely be a critic's darling. You definitely seem like the sort of artist who's like, Oh my God, we love her. I don't know. I think some people do. And then I I guess this is with every artist. Actually, I'm not sure. I've never been in anybody else's shoes, but I feel like people either really like what I do or they just really don't like it. Don't get it. And it took me a long time to realize that um, a lot of the people who are writing these critiques of the album are like white men in critics rooms. I'm like, well, I don't make music for you, but they don't acknowledge that in their critique. So have somebody else look at it. Oh, well, the world, of, the world revolves about. around them. So why would they acknowledge that? Right, right. And I had like people say, like, so going back to the James Taylor conversation, people say, I remember my second album came out in, in the Atlanta Journal. And the reason why this matters is because I'm from Atlanta. And so I was like Atlanta's girl. I was an um, a independent artist in Atlanta. I was playing at clubs and people knew my songs before I had any record deal, anything. So I was like one of Atlanta's people. And so Acoustic Soul was a big hit. And then I had put my second album called Voyage to India, which is named after the Stevie Wonder song, by the way. I put my second album out and they had me on the cover and they said, India Ari's new album is off Sweetness and Light. And to me, I'm like, okay, Sweetness and Light is fine with me. Then I read the article and it was Sweetness and Light as in we don't like that. And I was like, <laughs> thanks. thanks. <laughs> well, if you don't like Sweetness and Light, then don't critique this album. Give it to somebody else who understands what I'm talking about. But... What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray thrive market dot com slash Toray on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky 
and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I know that I have people, I know that I'm in a blessed position and that I have fans who ride with me no matter what. I made an album where I was singing in Hebrew. I was literally singing in Hebrew. The album didn't come out because I shelved it at the last second for other reasons. But I did two tours with this album. It's called Open Door. And the tours were all sold out. And people sat in the audience and just listened to me sing in Hebrew. I don't know why. You know, like they just, I know I'm blessed. You are. Well, let's take you back to the beginning and tell me how much your mom influenced the singer you've become. Oh, gosh. We could do a whole hour on that because <laughs> the cycles of life are so real. Like they're so real. And of course I learned every, I'm a singer because my mom is like singers sing. Like we ask what feels good about singing. It's just be able to make a beautiful sound from your body. So when you're cooking or in the car or whatever you sing. And so I just learned how to sing the way I learned the same way that I learned how to talk or how to hold my body a certain way or how to walk with my shoulders back like my mom or whatever it is. And so, but the real influence comes in also just watching her be an artist because I watched her write songs about things that were happening in the world. So when that push to end apartheid was really happening in the early 80s, we were like really pushing to end it. My mother, who makes all my stage clothes and stuff, she made like all these t-shirts that said end apartheid. So I was in whatever grade I was in 1983. I was 10, uh, no, I was, I was eight or something like that in 1983. And I was going to school in t-shirts that said Africa end apartheid with the South African flag right here. And so then she would not just make the shirts, but she wrote a song about it. And I watched her write the song and then take it to a producer. And I sat there and watched them work it out and, you know, everything. And I saw her do that for maybe one of my earliest memories was being in the studio with my mom um, recording one of her gospel songs. And I remember her earring broke. And she was like all in the booth trying to find the middle of her earring. She couldn't find it. But so like, I am this because she is that. But also Motown, which I was on Motown for 17 years, which was a fiasco. It was cool (laughs) at for a minute. And then it was a fiasco the whole rest of the time. But I feel like that's just kind of where I was meant to be because my mother um, was raised in Michigan when Motown was new. She had her own band with horns, multiple singers. She made their outfits, the whole thing. Um, They opened for Al Green and Stevie Wonder in college. And Motown wanted to sign her, but they didn't want to sign her band. And they were like her brothers. My grandmother's best friend was their manager. (laughs) And um, they only wanted to sign her. And she was like, you know, I I can't leave my brothers. And then they thought about putting her in, Martha and the Vandellas, but she was 17 at the time. They said she was too young for that wow. group. And so she didn't want to sign without her brothers. They weren't her blood brothers, but her brothers. And so she didn't do it. And then so fast forward, however many decades later, I'm in Atlanta as an independent artist. And we had this artist collective and label that we put together. We were doing this thing. And, you know, the singer Donnie, the album, The Colored Section. Mm-hmm, Donnie mm-hmm. was one of us. He was one of us. We were called Earthseed, named after... Um, Octavia Butler, um, her book. 
And then, um, I mean, after the book, the character writes in Octavia's book, you know, the, the Earthsea Parables of the Storm. Um, and then we had an artist collective. So Earthsea was the label, Groovement was the collective. So Donnie was one of us. And Motown wanted to sign me. And I felt guilty. And so guilty that I made myself sick because like all that, all the gentleness and delicateness and stuff in my music is really how I am. And so I like, I made myself sick just because I didn't want to hurt them. And my mom called and my voice was gone. And she was like, you know, what's wrong with you? My mother's very like straightforward. And I was telling her how I felt. And she said, let me tell you a story. And she told me about Motown and her brothers and how they wanted to sign her. And she said, no. And she said, if I had it to do over again, I would go back and get them later if they're still there. Mm. And literally like the next day I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. Like I was like on, off on the path. And for this, for the tw- last 20 years, I had a single minded focus about what I wanted to achieve because of feeling like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed make music is what I do. It's not, I'm not trying I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I didn't want to just be famous. I didn't want people to just look at me. So I got to find something to do while they're looking at me. I am a musician. I'm a singer. I'm a, I had things that I needed to say for my well-being, things I needed to say. And the, the honor of having an audience there that wants to listen is the thing that my mother made sure I was not robbed of. And so even when I learned the days of the week um, in elementary, in preschool, my mother wrote a song called India's Song to teach me the days of the week. What was the song? So I'm, it uh, it, it goes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I am one week older, starting new on Monday. When I get home from my school, I will go to play. Starting each and every morning, it's a brand new day. (laughs) And we would sing it every day going to school. That's how I learned my days of the week. And so, my mom has a lot to do with everything that I've been able to accomplish. And also I think it's what has been important to my image or, or, I mean, every artist has to have an image for people to hold on to, you know, it's a part of your aesthetic and part of your success and being able to have a look that was all my own. Like when people say like that Indiari look, because for a few years there, I thought everybody liked what I like. I didn't realize they were dressing like me for a little era and that look, like with no black, full color, flower, like the things I was wearing and all that stuff was because my mom was like, what do you want? I literally had like a personal designer like Prince. And I used to say, I used to joke, I have a personal designer like Prince. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I actually have a personal designer like Prince. And it's my mom. So there's like love sewn into My mother could make the biggest gown overnight because she was like, my daughter needs it. And she would just do it all the time. And so... I'm I'm here because she taught me in explicit and non-explicit and all the other ways that I could be here. I definitely get that sense that you are a musician who wants to say musical things and speak from your soul and like, I'm not here to be famous. I'm glad you guys are listening, but I'm here because I must communicate. So yeah. the first album blows up huge global success triple platinum and you become immediately famous and a brand so how does that change you in your music that suddenly you are famous when you're like i don't really care about this but there is a value to it but there is 
a pain in the butt about being famous also, and especially when you don't want it. Um, so how was all that for you? In hindsight, quarantine has taught me something really amazing. I was too tired to feel anything other than tired. I wasn't like, this is great, but I would like my space. I mean, I had those feelings, of course. Like, I was like, I can't walk down a little five points anymore. Like, everybody's coming out of their shops and giving me presents. And it would literally be like, whoa, like, what? what is like, it was like a surprise. Because um, I didn't understand what was really happening until people started acting a different way around me. But at, then it got to a certain point where I was just so tired all the time that I was trying to hold myself together emotionally all the time. So it wasn't like I had time to think about what I wish it was like or, you know, I didn't have time. And so during quarantine, I have realized how tired I've been for a long, long time, like good 18 years. I've just been tired. And this is the first year that I've ever been able to really rest because I've taken years off. But even in the times of taking that time off, I, my mind was always still thinking what was going to be the next thing. Even if it was a year from late, then there was going to be a next thing. This year, I've been able to just live in the moment and rest and do the things I want to do. I still am doing a lot of things, but it's not non-musical things, which I didn't even realize I was doing so much. So somebody asked me the other day, what do you do every day? And I started telling them, but it's not music. And I think that it affects the fame thing affected my health in a lot of detrimental ways because I really need to move slow. I like a lot of quiet time. I like, um, because the things that I do love to say in my music come out of my pondering of life. I like, I like to take time to do all of that. It's, I mean, I would say I'm a musician because I have things I want to say before I wrote my own songs. Nobody ever heard me sing. I wouldn't sing in front of people. I didn't do it. Um, but then I had songs that I wrote and I was willing to be in front of people to sing the things I wanted to say. And so I, the part of me that needs time to ponder life and to process life and all that, I was always fighting for it instead of being able to just have it. And it, I had ulcers at one point and just all kinds of stuff going in and out of bouts of depression. And people would say stuff like what's wrong with you and I'm like what do you think is wrong <laughs> like I was always trying to tell my mother like a lot is wrong <laughs> a lot is wrong a lot is wrong I just got sued twice this year you know what I mean and then somebody wrote this weird article about me and like there's just it never really felt like well fame is the game that you play like some people just know how to play it like that's kind of how I see 50 cent he just knows how to play the fame game or whatever I wasn't like that and it affected me in a lot of detrimental ways but Going back to the Motown conversation about my mom, I think that if I had all this inside and there was nobody there to witness my songs and my stories, I think that that would have made me maybe even more sick or something. Like the, what's the saying? I, I use quotes on a gigantic screen in my show. So I have all these quotes in my head and I think it's a Maya Angelou quote where she said, um, there's nothing worse than bearing an untold story inside of you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. I don't, I don't want to know that feeling. And so the fame was, ugh, but the doing it for the music meant something. <laughs> but I, I, now I kind of see fame as a hassle. But it has its privileges. 
love her. For more from me and India, join us over at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Thanks so much to India for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Kina Murphy, and Earl Dorsey. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. and This show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.